Benny and Haley on your home for sports. 1057 The Fan. Benny and Haley, 1057 The Fan. Some kicks. Kicks up their farewell concert was Sunday night. Merryweather, one of the great local bands of all time. It says Cold Blood. Ravens trying to be cold blooded against the Colts coming up on Sunday. Ravens seven and a half point, eight points spreads one up. Half a point since we've been on the air going back to ten o'clock. Ravens up banged up a little bit, but impro- the offensive line was better Sunday than it was with all their starters in the opener. Here to talk about that from USA Today, it's the Ravens Wire. Joining us on the WGK Law guest hotline, Kevin Allstriker. Kevin, good morning. What's happening? Yeah, good morning, guys. 2-0 and for the Ravens. One of two teams in the AFC, a bunch of 1-1s and 0-2s in the conference. I know it was a little surprising. You talked about the offensive line just goes out there and, and dominates on Sunday with no Ronnie Stanley, no Tyler Linderbaum, and Lamar Jackson goes out there and makes a couple of really nice throws. I thought he played really well in this one. Uh, as far as with the offensive line, you know, Stanley and Linderbaum, when they come back, they're going to start, and rightfully so. But the running back issue, situation, whatever you want to call it, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, almost equal carries against Cincinnati. Will that remain the same formula for Todd Munkin moving forward? Were they sharing responsibilities here? Yeah, I would probably assume something like that it was probably going to be something like that anyway with jk now not it would have been jk and gus edwards justice hill would probably be the third running back in that situation but justice hill is really talented i think he's he's one of the underrated players on the ravens roster came on last year really strong and edwards is someone who he he's mr consistencies a career 5.0 yards for 5.0 plus actually yards per carry guy when you give him the ball, he doesn't really lose yards. And we know he has that north-south running ability. He's added to his game every season. But Justice Hill has, has deceptive power. Some of, some of the speed is there. He's not a speed back, but he does have some speed to his game. We've seen both those guys perform really well. And I know Justice Hill, his yards per carry isn't going to tell the whole story here, but he's someone that I think the Ravens can utilize in a bunch of different ways. And they called up Melvin Gordon from the practice squad for this game. Didn't use him, had no carries in this one. So I wouldn't anticipate the Ravens giving him much, if any work. I think this is a two man show in the running game right now. We'll see what happens when, or if Keaton Mitchell comes back this season. But at this point, I think this is, you know, the running game wise, at least it's Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. And I know JK is probably your best healthy running back, but you know, we were talking all offseason about how well if the Ravens were to lose a running back to injury, the depth there is still okay to where the Ravens would be okay. And I think we saw that with Edwards and Hill on Sunday. I, I think no doubt about it. And I, I, I think the thing is, is they let them do what they do well. You know, Gus runs north-south, you know, and, and they're running ISO. And Lamar's been under center more than he's been like the whole five years that he's been here, you know, in two games. So they, they can run a little – they can run an offensive system that is really good for Gus Bus from with Lamar under center. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that – or I like it now that we're seeing Lamar under center and getting that. You're right. I think we, we barely saw it over the first five years, and now we're finally getting a glimpse of what it could be. And especially for Gus, someone who 
again, I, I said rarely loses yards on carries. And I think, again, credit to the offensive line for the way that they blocked both, you know, pass protection for Lamar, but also run blocking too. They got after Morgan Moses was trucking dudes yeah. and that they were super physical in the run game. So I was really impressed with that. And Gus Edwards, you know, he doesn't like, he's someone that he can make something out of nothing. He's hard to bring down. But when he attacks a hole and there's a hole there, he just, he hits it and he goes. And that, to me, is something where if, if he gets momentum, I wouldn't want to be on the other side trying to tackle him. He's that, he's that big and that strong. And, he, and as I said, he's hard to bring down. Yeah, and, and then, like, with the pass rush, when did Oway get hurt? I got to go back and look at the film because I don't – you know, I mean, Bob and I were talking. All of a sudden, you notice, like, oh, damn, where's 99? Where is he? Yeah, I, mean, I, I I know that I was we got a lot of Tavius Robinson, and I was thinking, well, this is a, this is a lot of Tavius Robinson for week two, and I know, yeah, I was wondering where it was. I don't. It must have been early because I couldn't put an exact timestamp on it. But the Ravens, to my knowledge, at least, didn't announce anything. There was no update from them. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, always oh, not. Is he benched? Is he hurt? So uh, Harbaugh classifies that you know he he got hurt, and we don't know what the timeline is. I don't know if we're gonna get. An injury timeline from John Harbaugh ever again. <laughs> Seems like he's keeping it very close to the vest with all those guys. But I thought that Robinson played okay. I mean, you'd rather have Oway out there. But I think that, you know, speaking of pass rush, Adavian Clowney's been somebody yes. that has surprised me yeah. in, in that area. Now, I, I knew that he was – everybody knew he was a great run guy, could, could set the edge and be super physical there. But he, he's been great so far through two weeks, a high-impact disruptor. So if Oway does have to miss some time, you know, you throw a Jabo out there, you have a guy, you know, you're down Oway and Bowser at that point. So it's kind of testing his up a little bit, but it'd be a lot more of the high dose of Tavius Robinson again, I guess there. Now, what is, what is Harb saying about Marlon? Because I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't put him in on IR. So they figured he would be back before four games. And I mean, he hadn't practiced at all yet. So, I mean, he's got to come fast for that to be, you know, a smart decision. Yeah, and I know that it's the same thing with guys like, you know, Stanley and, and Linderbaum, Williams, you know, with Williams not opting for surgery and everything, they, they're not putting him on IR and they have a timeline. I mean, you would assume that if it was more than four weeks, you put him on IR and, right. and give him the roster spot to work with. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would assume that he'd be back by week four against, you know, the, it's another AFC North game there. So maybe he kind of starts to ramp up sometime this week and then comes back week four again. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what the timeline is, but that that would just be what my guess would be because especially with Williams where, again, you don't put him on IR. He's not having the surgery, so you'd assume he'd be back before that, you know, four-week timeline goes up. So I don't know if you necessarily, you know, you'd rather have him back for the AFC North game as opposed to the Colts. Now, again, you got to go out there and beat the Colts. It's not like they're going to give you a win. But it's it's kind of like what we were talking about in week one with Andrews with, well, do you play him in week one or do you wait till he's fully healthy and play him in week two? So there are a lot of guys who maybe are on that two to four week timeline right now, because again, if if they were going to be on more than a four week timeline, or at least you thought that they could be back before then, you know, you, you don't put them on IR if you think they're going to be back before then. But if you think they're going to be out for more than four weeks, the obvious decision will probably be to put them on IR and get yourself a roster spot. Well, the other thing they got kind of going on their side, Kevin, especially like if they can beat Indy this week, you know, and because the other teams, you know, the Ravens could be sitting three and zero, and the others could be one and two or zero and three, you know. So you've got you've got a week or two to play with, you know, if you need it. 
Yeah, and we, you know, we always talk about, like, what stretches are important, and I feel like this stretch right here is one of the most important already, so early, but already for the Ravens this season. Cincinnati's already 0-2, and they're 0-2 in the division. That's huge, and the Ravens, they have an opportunity. You know, if they can come out of this thing 3-0, and like, that puts them in such a good spot, AFC-wise, conference-wise, division-wise. Even two and one would be good, but no. you still are able to come no. out there with not when you're favored by eight, right, Bob? I mean, you got to beat India at home. Well, no, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about four pants five, four Oh five, yeah, before yeah. right for for India. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you lose to India, that's not not ideal. But in weeks four and five, if you can split Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland, AFC North games can get weird. I don't know. Deshaun Watson and Kenny Pickett don't look great right no, now. So they do I, not. I would, I would hope that the Ravens secondary, because they, I, I give credit to guys like Ronald Darby and Rocky Estine and Geno Stone playing really well. I know there were questions not only about the offensive line, how they hold up, but the secondary, and they held up pretty well against Joe Burrow and one of the best wide receiver trios, if not the best wide receiver trio in the NFL. So yeah, if, if you can split those AFC North games in a minimum, maybe come out of that 2-0 and and obviously beat Indy too. Baltimore's in a really, really good spot, assuming they can stay relatively healthy for the rest of the season. Yeah, they need to brand the Colts like uh, Yellowstone. Put that horseshoe on that rear end. <laughs> He's Kevin Allstriker, USA Today. The Ravens Wire joins us every Tuesday. Kevin, appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your Turn It Up Tuesday. We'll talk to you next week. Always appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Thanks so much. Talk yep. to you soon. You got it. And probably, don't want to assume anything, probably when we talk to Kevin next, talking about a 3-0. and yeah. Baltimore Ravens team. I mean, Bob, when you look at it right games. now, they're going to be favored in the next, even though they're going to Cleveland and going to Pittsburgh, they beat Indy. I'm guessing they're going to be favored at Cleveland and in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Cleveland minus Nick Chubb now for the season yeah. in Pittsburgh. Even though they won, you can't really count on their defense to score all your points <laughs> right. for you. When we come back, whip around what happened on this day in Orioles and Ravens history, September 19th. Maryland's at Michigan State coming up Saturday, 3.30 kickoff in Lansing. It's on national TV, NBC, but you can hear it on the fan. But big news doesn't really relate to the football team on the field. It's about the head coach. We'll get into that and more here on the fan. Biddy and Hades with Brought to you by Fox Hill Pizzeria and Crab Cakes. The best crab cakes in Harford County. 1057 The Fan. Biddy and Hades 1057 The Fan. Time for the whip around here on this Turn It Up Tuesday. Maryland Terps at Michigan State coming up on third or Saturday. Against the uh, Spartans, Maryland 3 and 0, 7.5 point favorites. Michigan State just got blown out at home by Washington. But the news came out. The Mel, Tiker, uh, Mel Tucker, excuse me, story came out last week. Alleged uh, harassment, sexual harassment of uh, Brenda Tracy, who was brought in at his behest. Paid her ten grand to come in and talk to, to the speak team. The, uh, to the team about a sexual awareness, uh, you know the dangers, and you know, and she's a, a rape survivor. Yep, yep. And apparently, a relationship was formed between the two, and it accelerated to the point, as Mel Tucker's now saying, that it was a consensual relationship between two adults. Miss Tracy is saying otherwise that right. he was masturbating during phone calls without her consent and other things inappropriate comments were made and it's gotten to the point where Michigan State told him yesterday they're firing him. 
and they still owed him, I think it was like 77 mil. 79 million dollars. Yeah. Mel, so he's fighting that. Mel Tucker, uh, Mel Tucker today, in a statement to ESPN, said his firing is a miscarriage of justice. He came because of Miss Tracy's improper public disclosure of the entire 1,200-page investigation file regarding her baseless complaint against me. Let's be clear, Mel Tucker. I don't believe MSU plans to fire me because I admitted to an entirely consensual private relationship with another adult who gave one presentation at MSU MSU at my behest over two years ago. Basically, if they fire him for cause, they don't owe him a dime. Correct. And he's saying that they're trying to come up with some trumped-up charges to do exactly that. Which would ruin his reputation if it already isn't ruined. And by the way, I don't know who's lying, who isn't. I'll let due process take its course. But there's enough there during this investigation for Michigan State to make this uh, this decision to terminate the football coach. Yeah. And um, like, like you said, the investigation will turn over, you know, the information, Bob. But uh, it looks like... Um, you know, they want to fire him for cause, like you said, and it looks like they would like to get out of because they gave him a ten year contract after the after his first year. They gave him nine and a half million dollars a year. You know, because they won eleven games, you know, like you said, they had Kenneth Kenneth William, you know, they Kenneth, had Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. They had some great players. A lot of transfers. Yeah. So and then they haven't been that good since. Now here they are at home with Mike D'Antoni. Coming out of retirement, Maryland's going there, Lansing, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Two years ago, this would have been unfathomable that Maryland would be favored, much less by over a touchdown. So the Terps are looking to go to 4-0. Michigan State is a reeling program from a football perspective. And, you know, this story doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon because Mel Tucker is not going away quietly. It's two sides to every story. And then as they say the truth, we'll see how this all plays out. Yeah, but a lot, a lot of money and reputation at stake. And Lansing's the state capital up there in Michigan and school newspapers. You know that that's the conversation. You know, and in the locker room, for the is, is anybody focused on Maryland? No. Any of the players? They're not focused on Maryland. I mean, look what happened to them last week against Washington. Oh, yeah. They didn't even show up. Yeah. 41-7. It's Vinny and Haney, 105-7 the fan. It is the whip around. Here on this Turn It Up Tuesday. And speaking of college football and uh, you know things getting a little out of control, Colorado State taking on Colorado Saturday. Henry Blackburn getting death threats to the point on social media put the hit, and it was a cheap shot. Oh, definitely. On Travis Hunter, that people on social media posted his family's address, and all these crackpots are now threatening him with violence. Damn. So the sports fan, the fanatic, I get it. But the the line gets crossed multiple times. And I'm going to throw this out here, just my humble opinion, that if it would have been a Colorado player drilling a Colorado State guy late, late, cheap, we wouldn't even be talking about this now. No. But because it was their marquee guy, Travis Hunter, it was on national TV. LeBron James, among others, is popping off on social media. 
Now the line is crossed to where this kid's getting death threats by overzealous fans who 10 months ago couldn't have given two bleeps about Colorado football. This isn't about the buffs. It's about uh, Dion and all of the sheep. Get it. You like Dion at your opinion. But really, it's a football game. Was it a cheap shot? Sure. Should have been thrown out of the game? Absolutely. Did he hurt this kid? Lacerated liver? No doubt about it. Yep. But death threats? Yeah. Well, you know who could end it faster than anybody? Dion. Yeah. I mean, and Dion, if he just came out and said something, then, you know, that would that would end it. He's off for multiple weeks. Hunter is. But, you know. What, so he lacerated lacerated his liver or That's, kidney i think it's liver is what i saw here but either way yeah. terrible hit illegal hit egregious hit but threatened to put his family's uh address on social media yeah. what's the end game for you a almost cussed what's the end game for you burn down his house and what does that do you know it i mean accomplishes that, nothing. The, the kid's still in the hospital yeah I'm not worried about him. You burn down the, the other kids. It's, now, all of a sudden, Blackburn's the victim here mm-hmm. because now people are going after him with death threats and everything else. Yep. It's a football game. Cheap shot, yes, we keep stressing it. But to the point you want to kill him? Threaten his family? No. Whip around this day in Orioles history, September 19th. It's only a game, everybody. That's all it is. You still have to pay your mortgage. Still have car insurance to pay. Gas still costs three seventy a gallon. Nothing changes. Just a game. Nineteen seventy four. This was a game at Chase Stadium. Orioles clobber the Yankees seven zip. Don Baylor. He hits a home run. Bobby Gritch drives in two. Dave McNally three hit shutout. Orioles on their way to the ALE seven nothing. Sorry Yankees. Forty years ago today, Memorial Stadium. Walk off bottom of the eleventh. Singing and John Stafaro. RBI singles as the Orioles edge Milwaukee 8-7. Getting closer to the AL East. Cal Ripken 4-6 for six on this day. Tim Stoddard picked up the win. Nolan, another epic game. Seattle. Remember yesterday we were talking about the 18-inning game? Right. Well, yeah. uh, 11 years ago today, or tonight, in Seattle, 3-1 Orioles in 11 innings. I watched this game. I actually got up to go to the bathroom, and the game was still on. <laughs> and Adam Jones hit a two-run homer in the top of the 11th as the Orioles had Seattle 3-1. to one. Mark Reynolds drove in a run. You, Luis Ayala. There's the, the name. There's the one. Got the win in relief. Jim Johnson picked up his 45th save. Orioles on their way to the playoffs. And in 2021, two years ago tonight, M&T Bank Stadium oh. on Sunday Night Football. This happened. Balls out. The Ravens all around it. Who has it? Baltimore. Chiefs had to make sure they don't jump. And Jackson will get the first down and, in effect, end the game. Lamar Jackson rushes for two fourth-quarter touchdowns as the Ravens edge Kansas City. 36-35. That was Al Michaels on Sunday Night and Football. And enthused Al Michaels. Yeah, actually. <laughs> hey, people are actually watching this game. 18 for 26, a touchdown. Did throw two picks. Demarcus Robinson caught a touchdown pass for Kansas City that night, Norm. Mm-hmm. Your boy, D-Rob. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good for him. <laughs> so the Ravens exercise the Kansas City Demons, <laughs> at least for that night in 2021. It's Vinny and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. Who are the 12 best teams in the NFL through two weeks? Dirty Dozens coming up next. We'll take your phone calls at 410 583-1057. Orioles win 8-7. Cedric Mullins, three-run bomb, top of the ninth in Houston as the Orioles extend their lead in the AL East to two and a half games. Got news from the Nets coming up top of the hour. Buy or sell? Where's the Tuesday money? We'll find out at 12.15 and Ryan Ripken talk about last night's win. Look ahead to the next two against the Houston Astros. Kyle Gibson going for win number 15 tonight. Vinny and Haney's Dirty Dozen. The 12 best NFL teams according to our GM, Vinny Serrato. You're damn right I'm serious. Look, they might not be pretty, but any one of mine is worth 10 of yours. 105.7 The Fan. Two weeks NFL football in the books after what happened last night as New Orleans and Pittsburgh both win. Saints 2017 over the Panthers, Pittsburgh 26-22. Two defensive touchdowns beating Cleveland. Big story there was Nick Chubb. Catastrophic knee injury done for the season. And uh, as everyone said, you know, uh, uh, prayers and thoughts to him yep. and certainly his family and friends as uh, he's going to have a long rehabilitation process here but stats have been accumulated records have been achieved let's talk about the 12 best teams in the nfl dirty dozen uh, i tell you what when i did it bob like i got to eight real easy then after that i'm like i'm like it's who you know so coming in at number 12 one and one la rams they lost to San Fran 30-23. to They're at Cincy on Monday night. Undrafted wide receiver Puka Nakua leads the NFL with 25 receptions. BYU, baby. What's up, Cougars? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the, the Rams, everybody said, well, the Rams, you know. But the Rams went to Seattle and blew them out. And Seattle's not a bad team either. So, coming in at number 11, 1-1 Green Bay. They lost to Atlanta 25-24. They're hosting... 2-0 New Orleans. Now, Jordan Love, only quarterback in the league with six touchdown passes and zero picks. So, Green Bay's going to be an interesting team. And uh, Watson hasn't played for them yet. They're uh, uh, so-called star the one wide that receiver. I picked for rookie of the year last and year. And Aaron Jones missed Sunday's Hammy, game. Hammy, yeah. Bijan, you know, had a hell 172 yes, yards for the Falcons. Coming in at number 10, one one Detroit. Lost to Seattle 37-31 in overtime, and they're hosting Atlanta. Jared Goff is third in the NFC with quarterback rating of 109. His interception-less streak ended, too. That's two years in a row, by the way, that the Lions and Seahawks have played like a flag football kind of game. Fun, fun, fun. Coming in at number nine, 2-0. Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. They beat Green Bay 25-24. They're at Detroit. B. John Robinson is second in the NFL with 180 yards rushing. Good for him. Didn't you? You picked him rookie of the year, right? I think so. Did I? Yes. I think you did too, didn't you, Norm? Both of you guys, I think, picked him. I got it in my text messages. I know that. Yeah, because yeah. I took Zay Flowers. I got it over there somewhere. Yeah. Coming in at number eight. I don't feel eight. 100% confident with that. My luck probably says I did not. One and one. Jacksonville. They lost to Kansas City at home 17-9. And they're hosting... Houston. Jags are last in the NFL in a in the NFL converting only 25% on third down. Man, their uh, their game against Kansas City on Sunday. Sleeper. You had the the, the Ravens and I had the or at three TVs and they were red zoning it. If I had insomnia, I would have fallen asleep right at my table. 
you know why you you know you know why you suck in third downs normally is is you got a lot of third and longs. Why why did the uh, Bengals have what they were like fifty percent or better against the Ravens because they were third and short all the time. All right, coming in at seven, seven uh, one and one, Buffalo Bills. They beat Vegas thirty eight ten. They're at Washington, who are also two and zero, oh. and the Bills are second in total defense in the AFC. How about that? Yeah. I mean, their loss to the Jets week one was uh, Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen has won them a game and lost them a game. Yeah. He's turned there it over go. like four times. Coming in at six, one and one, Kansas City Chiefs beat Jacksonville 17 9. They're hosting the Chicago Bears. Kansas City's third in the NFL, allowing 15 points per game. Now, that's like a total shock to me because it's normally the offense is scoring a million points and the defense, it's like. Uh, 30-something, 30-something games is what they're used to. Yeah, Chris Jones, uh, one and a half one sacks and a half, yeah. coming back. Yeah, they were saying. Oh, and Kelsey scored a touchdown. I'm yeah. Sure. Look at uh, that. Uh, Taylor Swift was probably happy, right, Norm? <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming in at number five, your 2-0 Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Bungles 27-24. They're hosting Indy. Only, only NFL team to have two players average over five yards per carry. Well, how about that? Yeah, that's like uh, Giro numbers. Well, hey, Gus Bus. I mean, since he's yep. been in and the Lamar. NFL. Yep. Coming in at number four, 2-0 Miami. Beat New England 24-17 at New England. They're hosting Denver. Dolphins are the only NFL team averaging over 450 yards of offense and over seven yards per play. Waddle had the big day on Sunday. And he's, he's nicked. You think of... Uh, Matt Canada would like those stats. <laughs> Pittsburgh. <Yeah. laughs> Coming in at number three, two and zero Philadelphia Eagles beat Minnesota 34-28. They're at Tampa on Monday night. The Eagles lead the NFL in rush defense, allowing only 52 yards a game. And they haven't played all that well. No, they have not. I mean, they've won two games and haven't played great. I mean, that tells you you're not and, a bad. And we team. talked about it yesterday during what was it? Buy or sell? AJ Brown was whining on the sideline. Oh boy. Yes, he was. Coming in at number two, two and zero Dallas beat the Jets thirty to ten. They're at Arizona. How about that for a schedule? Giants, Jets. Well, we thought the Jets were going to be good when Aaron was there, you know. And now they've got Arizona. Cowboys lead the NFL in total defense, allowing only one hundred ninety-three yards per game. All right, let's beat a team outside of MetLife and we'll see how it goes. Or it calls MetLife their home stadium, shall we say? Coming in at number one. San Fran, 2-0, beat the Rams 30-23. They host the Giants Thursday night, which oh, that'll be ugly, I think. Ten-and-a-half point spread. Yeah. Niners lead the NFL with 5.6 yards per rush attempt. That's pretty t- – I mean, Kyle Shane, they run the ball well. Well, McCaffrey's kicking ass. Yes, he is. You know, I mean, he's he's doing it. So, in summary, San Fran won, two Dallas, three Philly, four Miami, five Baltimore, six Kansas City, Seven, Buffalo, Jacksonville, eight, Atlanta, nine, Detroit, 10, Green Bay, 11, the Rams, 12. So, I mean, Bob, nine through 12, to me, you could probably put a few other teams in there, too. No Washington, I noticed. They haven't, I mean, 
They beat two teams in my dirt in my feeble five. Which we'll in get the last to seconds. Coming up at 115. It's Vinny and Haney, 1057. The fan will come back, take your phone calls. 410-583-1057. If we have time, get to the funhouse news from the Nets. Top of the hour here from John Harbaugh. Met with the media yesterday. Where's the money? We'll find out at 1215-ish. By yourself. Talk about that Orioles drama last night. Another W. Cedric Mullins, three-run bomb in the ninth as the Orioles take out the Astros 8-7. Talk about the win. And the rest of the week, Orioles going to the playoffs for the first time since 2016, trying to win the division for the first time since 2014. And your American League East report. Let's just say Boston actually did Houston a favor last night. Sports with balls. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Orioles win last night, 8-7. Cedric Mullins, three-run jack, top of the ninth. Yanir Cano gets the save. Birds have won three in a row. They have the Astros again tonight, 8-10, Minute Maid Park. Me and Jim Hunter, Baltimore baseball tonight, coming up at 6 o'clock, brought to you by Salvo Auto Parts, getting you ready for game two of this series. Ravens off today in the traditional sense of practice and all that. No media availability, but back tomorrow, getting ready for the Colts. Spreading that game now, 8 Indianapolis, one and one. They just beat Houston. Question is, who's the quarterback for Indy at one o'clock at MT Bank Stadium? Getting all of that. Maryland's at Michigan State Saturday, 3 30. Here at On the Fan. Terp, seven and a half point favorites. Mel Tucker is going to get fired, but he's fighting it. And we'll see how this turns out. It's already an ugly situation that might get uglier. Oh, I think, yes, I think it will get uglier, Bob, because more stuff's going to keep coming out, you know, and it, and it, it's like it never goes away. That, that's going to be the biggest problem. It's going to go on through the whole season or, or until Tucker's gone or, you know, but yeah, because there's going to be a lot of he said, she said stuff. Let's get out to the phones. Let's go to Baltimore. It's Rashawn. Rashawn, thanks for holding. What's happening? No problem, man. How y'all doing today? Good. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Vinny, I heard your little list, right? Yeah, um, you you Your had uh, San Fran at number one. <laughs> yes, and the Cowboys number two. Yeah, the, the only uh, reason I did that, Rashawn, was because is because you used to work for the Forty Nineers. Understand? No, 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 no. Messing with you? No, the the Niners <laughs> went to Pittsburgh. You know, and everybody was. You know, there was a lot of buzz about the Steelers. We at that all time. picked the Steelers. Yes, the Niners went there and kicked the crap out of them. You know, and then the Rams kicked the crap out of Seattle, and then the Ram, the Niners went to the Rams. The Niners won two games on the road. That's why I did it. Screaming A, by mm. the way, just picked Dallas number three in his top five behind Miami. Mm. Well, we'll see, man, because the 49ers and Cowboys do play in a few weeks, too. So oh, they I'll do? They oh, it'll be like the old rivalry days. Yep, yep. So Michael Parson going to have uh, Brock Purdy running for his life out there, man. Oh, Trent you know, Williams. should be it should be a great one, though. Yeah. But um, on to the um Orioles, man. That was a crazy game last night. I um actually cut it off and went to bed when Fuji gave up the lead, man. It was five to three, so I figured I. Yeah, I well, that, that was, it was a long game, relatively speaking. I mean, it's like it was the normal time for previous years baseball, but this one got over three hours and it ended after eleven o'clock. So it was longer, and to be honest with you, I was barely keeping my eyes open. But once Rutschman doubled to tie it, mm-hmm. then I was all in. You know what I mean? And then, you know, the home run. So then you're like, I should have just went to bed. So you never know. That's why you have to watch all 27 outs, Rashawn. Yeah, I know. I all know. 27. 
And with Fuji, man, you know, he's been he's been good lately, though. I mean, I know everybody was mad about him last night. I heard a lot of people on social media, you know, saying, why would they bring him in? And hopefully he's not on the um the playoff roster. Uh, he's going to be. But, yeah, he's definitely going to be because, you know, you need that guy that can throw that ball that fast. But man, what's that, that old uh, Janet Jackson song? What have you done for me lately? That's Fuji yeah. today. Now, yeah, he strikes out know, the side tonight, and he's uh, he's Goose Gossage again. Yep, yep. And in the past two games, man, we've used a lot of our bullpen. So I'm just curious tonight to see, you know, first of all, who's on the mound tonight? Is it not Kyle Jackson, Gibson? Not oh, Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson okay. against Hunter Brown. Oh, how how was that Hunter Brown guy? Is He's he eleven good? and eleven with a four sixty one ERA. He can be very difficult to deal with at times, but he's been dealt with. Hence the eleven losses and the robust ERA. Yeah, yeah. So man, we can we put up some hits tonight, and, and, and Kyle pitch a good game. We should be good because I know Jack is on the mound tomorrow, and we know how that game is going to go, man. What's that guy? Slow so, pitch softball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Rashawn. Hey, Rashawn. Uh, yeah, All right, good. later, Rashawn. Feeling disrespected because Vinny put his Cowboys at number three. Oh, Stephen at two. A. Smith. I had him at two. Oh, two. Stephen A's got him at three behind San Francisco yeah. and Miami. Ravens at four though, and Philly at five. I just had him flipped. All right, we have time for another call. Quick draw, quick draw. Do we have time for a call? Let's go to Arbutus. It's Ed. Ed, thanks for holding. What's happening, man? Uh, yes, sir, Bob. Um, Bob, Benny, good day to both you gentlemen. You too. Uh, um, rule interpretation call today. Uh, something Coach Harbaugh may have addressed. I'm, I'm, I'm probably just in the dark and didn't hear it. The uh, Bengals punt return TD. Um, first off, Ravens punter Stout has a booming foot. Cover teams need to maintain discipline. <clears throat> Break down as a unit. Don't get fundled. Then pursue and tackle. However, I clearly saw no doubt about a flag thrown, which usually indicates the penalties on the return team. Mm-hmm. White Hat can calls his guys in to confer. Flag gets picked up with, without clarity reason. Um, and I know when you're teaching uh, open field blocking, you can't go low. And if you hit a guy from the side, the head has to be in front of the defender's body. So my point is that ref in that particular moment saw something wrong. Yes. To reach to reach into his back pocket and clearly throw that flag on the field. That's a seven point swing. And I'm still in the dark on the call. The the gunner for the Ravens. They, um, he threw it because he thought he pushed him in the back. And I think the back judge or whatever who was behind back there said, no, he didn't push him. He didn't extend his arms. The biggest problem was Simpson's got to break down and make that tackle. He's right there, right there in front of the guy. And he lunged. Right. 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 And that's, 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 um, you know, from being around football a long time, um, Vinny, you know that you don't drop to your knees open field. No, you break you break down as a union. You, you maintain your uh, keep it inside and in front. Lou Holtz always said inside yeah. and in front. Yeah, so the Ravens can improve that themselves, where the flag doesn't matter anyway. Right. So, okay, all right, gentlemen, thank all you. All right, thanks. All right, Ed, thanks for the call. It's Vinny and Haney, one hundred five seven. The fan. Yeah, we haven't brought that up that Ed just mentioned. Yeah, there was laundry on the field, but they picked it up. And... Harb said it was the right call when they went back and watched film. So uh, I guess no harm, no foul. I'm, I'm guessing, though, said. that Simpson probably got his ass chewed a little bit in film. 
All right, let's bring Nolan in. I don't know if we have time for a funhouse trip, but let's just say hi to Quick Draw. How you doing, Nolan? Hello, hello. How we doing? All doing right, all right. Nolan. How you feeling? How about that Oriole game last night, huh? Uh, just like you, struggling to stay awake, but uh, jolted awake when uh, Ryan O'Hearn picks up his uh, fifth hit of the night. How about him? Yes, sir. Uh, little Mike Bordick yes. pick last week for <laughs> yeah. MVP of that Boiler race. Spoiler alert, series. he's our player spotlight for BBT tonight, starting at 6. Well-deserved. I mean, I... I when they what was it a waiver claim for him or a cash considerations yeah. trade? Didn't even make the team coming out of spring training. You know, you're thinking, okay, you want another first base option, an extra bat, but no one, and not even I don't. Mike Elias didn't even see this coming from Ryan O'Hearn. It's incredible how big of a role he's played this year. And when Mountcastle had the vertigo and the struggles, and he took over and kind of just. Kept things flowing in the middle of the lineup. He's a really good defensive first baseman. Can play both corner outfield spots. I mean, he got mired in the losing of Kansas City because he was a big prospect for them. And for the Orioles to get him at 29 years old, brilliant move. It's been the Steve Pierce of this yeah, year's team. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you, know? you, you need those guys. You can't, all, you can't have number one prospects all over your lineup. You got to bring a, the Adam Frazier acquisitions proving to be outstanding for them. Kyle Gibson is, you know, he's going for his 15th win tonight. You know, he gets rocked from time to time, but he stabilizes and he's respected in the clubhouse. And O'Hearn, I mean, these are just brilliant moves by Michael Elias. Executive of the year, Michael Elias, I'm guessing. I think that's a strong case. Mm-hmm. Well, who's the other candidate? Well, I don't know how many executives I could name. Exactly. I don't have any. Like, <laughs> I'm guessing on the American League or the National League side, who else would step to the plate to win it? Because everybody else who's leading their division is expected to do it. Orioles were picked last by most people, and they're winning the division by two and a half games with less than two weeks left in the so, season. So they could have manager of the year, executive of the year, rookie of the year. Yeah, and O'Hearn, comeback player of the year. It's Vinny and Haney, cool. 105.7 The Fed. We'll come back. News from the desk. Going to hear from John Harbaugh. Met with the media yesterday talking about his 2-0 and team. Looking ahead a little bit to Indy and... I guess kind of sort of talking about injuries. We'll get into all of that by ourselves. 1215 Talk Orioles with Ryan Ripken and your American League East report coming up around 1245.